This is the Daily Signal podcast for Monday, January 21st. I'm Rob Bluey, Editor-in-Chief. And I'm Rachel Del Judas, Congressional Reporter. Today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and in honor of his legacy, we'll feature an interview with his niece, Elveda King, and a clip from President Ronald Reagan's remembrance in 1987. We also have your letters to the editor, and we share a story about an Ohio firefighter and how he saved the American flag from a burning home. We're joined on the Daily Signal podcast today by Elveda King, the niece of civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr. Dr. King, welcome. It's an honor to speak to you again. Well, it's always wonderful to speak with the Heritage team and to everyone who's going to see or listen to this. Hello, everyone. Wonderful. Well, as we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day today, I want to ask how your uncle has shaped our culture in America on issues like civil rights and your own life. Martin Luther King Jr. was born 90 years ago in Atlanta, Georgia, as what was known as a Negro little boy. And of course, he grew up in a time when the South especially was segregated and all of that. However, he was raised by parents one whose grandparents were slaves and one whose grandparents were from Cork, Ireland. And so as in that marriage, they saw every human being as a person of worth and dignity. They raised all three of their children that way. One was my dad, Reverend A.D. King, my Aunt Christine King Farris, and Uncle M.L., Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. So that was his worldview from birth, and he left as a legacy that same worldview. Are there ways today that you think society, media, or even others have misrepresented your uncle's conviction on the civil rights issues? Well, what has happened with my uncle's legacy from a media perspective, or what I call a secular worldview, and I mean no harm when I say that, but both of those worldviews would try to remember the philosophy and the legal aspect of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s message, but they forget the spiritual aspect. And so as one who's also a civil rights leader in the, from the 20th century now to the 21st century, I was there and I marched and went to jail with those great leaders. I was a young lady, a teenage girl. However, I remember the prayer meetings, how often we came together and prayed. I remember that everything we did was founded on the Bible. One of my favorite songs, Paul and Silas were bound in jail, had no money to pay their bail. Keep your eye on the prize. Hold on. And of course, the prize was the love of God towards all people and the salvation of humanity. So I believe that we have not given full credence to the spiritual aspect of the message of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., which includes sanctity of life, uh, procreative marriage, a man and a woman marrying with a commitment, if God wills, to birth and raise children in a healthy manner, taking care of the least of these. The poor will always be with us, but they should never be mistreated or abused, and we should help the least of these and help all human beings. And so the sins that we know now and we can call crimes against humanity, for instance, sex trafficking, abortion, uh, mistreatment of the homeless, all these types of things, of course, that would not have been what Martin Luther King Jr. 
would have wanted us to do to each other. And, you know, one of his famous quotes, we must learn to live together as brothers and I'll add as sisters or perish together as fools. He full understood Acts 17, 26 of one blood. God created the human race. We're not separate races and we're designed to love each other. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story and perspective. I want to ask uh, about your personal involvement, because many people know that you've worked with your uncle and family and marched for civil rights, uh, but fewer people might be familiar with how you became involved with the pro-life movement. Can you share about your journey and how your uncle's beliefs have influenced your life? I, during the uh, 20th century, was part of what was called the Fair Housing Movement, led by my dad, Reverend A.D. King, in concert with his brother, Martin Luther King, Jr. And I began to look at civil rights very closely with an understanding of how important to treat each other as brothers and sisters, as human beings, was. So I grew up with that philosophy. I Abortion was illegal during the uh, lifetime of my uncle, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., so he would not have had a real platform against abortion. It was illegal. It was unthinkable, pretty much. And so people were still doing that in secret somewhat. However, in 1973, when Roe v. Wade became legal in America, then it became legal to destroy the life of the least of these. The baby in the womb had no attorney and no lawyer. So it was very apparent that that was a civil right. However, that was couched and clothed in a fantasy that the baby in the womb was not a person. It was a blob of tissue. It was a lump of flesh. It was okay to get an abortion because that's not a person. And, you know, right now I'm executive producer on the film, the new Rosie Wade film uh, that's produced by Nick and Kathy, Nick uh, Loeb and Kathy Beckerman, John Boyd. Uh, who also appears in the movie, Nick Does, I Do. But we are giving the real story about how that little baby in the womb was deprived of the rights, deprived of a voice. So even though in the early days, around 73, I still bought that story that it wasn't a baby. I had two secret abortions and a miscarriage. But in 1983, when I became born again, I realized that these were human beings, including my babies who are in heaven. And I repented of all of my sins, and I became a voice for life. So you mentioned being a voice for life this past weekend uh, on Saturday, or actually on Friday. Uh, people from across the country came to the United States Capitol and to the mall and marched for life. And how do you think this event, which has been years and years, I think this was the 46th March for Life, how has that played a role in the pro-life movement? Well, I was invited to do the closing prayer at the March for Life. I've attended many of them since 2003, every year, and this year has been no exception. If you look back at the news accounts, you may not see the hundreds of thousands of people who were gathered there, but we were there, including young people. And every year we come and we march for life, and this year has been no exception. Well, thank you for sharing that. Dr. King, I want to ask about, you know, the state of race relations in America today. Rachel and I uh, have the benefit of working for an inspiring leader in, in Kay Coles James here at the Heritage Foundation. Who's Absolutely. Sh she shared with us her own experiences growing up in Richmond, Virginia, where she integrated um, as a young black woman in all white school. 
and experienced uh, incidents of racism uh, in her own life. And I think uh, we continue to have that today. I think very few people would would dispute that. What is your advice for overcoming some of those challenges and having a conversation where people may better be able to understand each other and uh, and the different perspectives that they might have growing up? Well, Kay and I served together as presidential appointees in the George W. Bush administration. Tremendous foundations were laid during those days, and both of us having come from experiences of having experienced racism, but come to the reality and through nurture and nature that we are one human race. There is Skin color does not denote or define who we are. And that's a message that's still very relevant today, treating each other as human beings, having the ability to love each other, to listen to each other, to communicate with each other, and to resolve our differences nonviolently in a loving and, for me, Christ-like manner. That's something that I do share with Heritage, and Heritage has been such a wonderful research institution for me uh, throughout the years. And so I'm very grateful for what Heritage brings, not only to my table, but to the table in the world. Yeah. As the director of uh, civil rights for the unborn at Priests for Life, what particular issues or trends in today's American society do you think your uncle might be troubled by today and why? Well, I met Father Frank Pavone, the national director of Priests for Life, And he was reading a quote from one of my uncle's Christmas sermons, and it basically says, when we learn to value the human personality, we won't hate anybody. So the baby in the womb, all the way through the sick, the elderly, the poor, the young, the old, it it doesn't matter. We could be rich, poor, no matter what color our skin is, we are human beings. And that is a message. So for, with civil rights for the unborn, and that's my department, I say a woman has a right to choose what she does with her body. The baby's not our body. Where's the lawyer for the baby? How can the dream survive if we murder the children? And so that's the message that we continue to carry. And we believe that people are now listening. And finally, Dr. King, I want to ask, how do you personally observe Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Are there any traditions that you and your family have in celebrating his life? Well, there's a service, a commemorative service at Historic or the Heritage Sanctuary of Ebenezer Baptist Church. I'll join members of my family there. A day on and not a day off, a day of service and loving and serving others is very important. And I believe that if we continue to work together as human beings, one blood, Acts 1726, I believe we will continue to overcome some of the obstacles that often try to beset us. But we do keep pressing on towards the mark of our high calling in Christ Jesus. Well, Dr. King, thank you so much for joining the Daily Signal today. Thank you so much. Do you have an opinion that you'd like to share? I'm Rob Bluey, Editor-in-Chief of The Daily Signal, and I'm inviting you to share your thoughts with us. Leave us a voicemail at 202-608-6205 or email us at letters at dailysignal.com. Yours could be featured on The Daily Signal podcast. Up next, we'll play a clip from President Ronald Reagan's Oval Office address on January 15th, 1987, about Martin Luther King Jr. 
Martin Luther King Jr. was born on January 15, 1929, in Atlanta, Georgia, the son of a Baptist minister. He never reached his 40th birthday. Yet during his short lifespan, he touched the lives of every American and helped dismantle the legal vestiges of discrimination and racism. He was committed to seeing that our nation lived up to its promise of liberty and justice for all. Ours is a better country today. Each of you has more potential, more opportunity, because of the hard work and courage of one remarkable individual. To me, and probably to your parents, Dr. King is a vivid memory. However, to many of today's high school students, he may be little more than a prominent person mentioned in history books. Well, not many of those people described in your history books have national holidays in their memory. Only two other Americans, Washington and Lincoln, are so honored. And just to set the record straight, uh, I may be old, but there's no truth to the story that Abe Lincoln and I walked to school together back in Illinois. Seriously, though, Lincoln may have been before my time, but I do remember Dr. King. Even those who had disagreements with Dr. King now recognize that the changes he helped bring about were right and in the long run made our country stronger. But the cleansing process is not easy. We needed such an individual to mobilize our people and organize a movement that would touch the conscience of our nation. Today, the job that Martin Luther King Jr. started is ours to finish. We're counting on you, the young people of the United States, to have the courage and commitment to do what is right. As recent unfortunate events have demonstrated, we cannot be complacent about racism and bigotry. And I would challenge all of you to pledge yourselves to building an America where incidents of racial hatred do not happen because racism has been banned not just from the law books, but from the hearts of the people. You should accept nothing less than making yours a generation free of bigotry, intolerance, and discrimination. If I might be presumptuous enough to offer this suggestion, a good place to start, a tangible contribution each of you can make, is to be totally intolerant of racism anywhere around you. If someone, even a friend, uses an ugly word referring to another's race or religion, let's make it clear we won't put up with it. Racial, ethnic, or religious slurs are vulgar, mean-spirited, and there's no place for them in a democratic and free America. The future of this great country is certainly in your hands. Your leadership and moral standards will determine if the USA continues to serve as a beacon of hope and opportunity to all mankind. In a democracy like ours, it's not enough just to believe in something. We must get involved and speak out. Dr. King was one such citizen who spoke out, and he did it with such moral conviction that the whole nation heard his plea. That was President Reagan on January 15, 1987, addressing the nation from the Oval Office on Martin Luther King's birthday. We'll be right back with some letters from you. Do conversations about the Supreme Court leave you scratching your head? Then subscribe to SCOTUS 101, a podcast breaking down the cases, personalities, and gossip at the Supreme Court. Thanks for sending us your letters to the editor. Each Monday, we feature some of our favorites, both on this show and in our Morning Bell email newsletter. Rachel, what's in the mailbag? First up, we have Anthony Alaferro, who writes, Most of the people who originally came to this country did so for religious freedom. 
you will find religious freedom as a protected right. You will not find protected your desire to declare that today you are a different sex or that you have decided to share an intimate relationship with one of your own sex. I am not religious and have always supported the LGBT community, but I will stop supporting any group that demands rights for themselves, yet seeks to strip others of their rights. And Shirley Sclafani writes about our recent interview with Housing and Urban Development Secretary Ben Carson. She says, What a wonderful interview, so informative and so uplifting. I will save this and refer back to it only for a breath of inspiration and hope. We were once using HUD to provide affordable housing, but with the past administration, it was a nightmare so full of the wrong people. And we have prayed for Dr. Carson and his many challenges. God is with him. Knowing we are blessed to have a person like Dr. Carson revives my hope in our country. I will also send it to all of my friends to enjoy. I have been wondering what Dr. Carson is up to now, and I see why the fake media has ignored and neglected him. But this is the very reason I am a member of the Heritage Foundation. Never forget who you influence and inform. Well, we appreciate your support, Shirley. Thank you so much. Your letter could be featured on next week's show. Send an email to letters at dailysignal.com or leave a voicemail message at 202-608-6205. Liberals have pretty much cornered the market on 101-style podcasts that break down tough policy issues in the news. Until now. Did you know that every week, Heritage Explains intermingles personal stories, news clips, and facts from Heritage experts to help explain some of today's hardest issues from a conservative perspective? Look for Heritage Explains on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Alan Scommer is a Navy veteran and member of the Toledo, Ohio Fire and Rescue Department. He was called to a house fire and battling it when he saw the American flag flying from the front porch with flames behind it. That's when Scommer took matters into his own hands. With the house burning, he stepped forward to save the flag. Here's a clip from his interview on Fox and Friends. I looked up. I was, I was helping a rookie, uh, showing him how to, how to properly throw a stream, a fire stream, and just spray water. Mm-hmm. And looked up, and I saw the, the flag waving with the, uh, the flames burning behind it, and that uh, kind of set off a little bell in the back of my head saying, hey, that's not right. So um, I just, I walked up to the porch and I, I, I took the flag down and, and set it on the bumper of our ladder truck wow. to, to keep it from burning up. Because I knew we were not, we were, we were gonna do a controlled burn and, and, let the structure, and let the structure burn down safely. So I didn't want the flag to go up with it. Later in the interview, Scommer explained why the flag means so much to him. It means a lot to me. Ever since I was a kid, it's always, um, I, I think it starts with the, uh, the memories of my father and grandfather and uncles, uh, seeing the pictures of them in their dress uniforms. I've always been inspired to, to serve and join the military and, and give something back to the country for the freedoms that we have. And to me, the flag is a symbol of a lot of the freedoms we enjoy and and sometimes take for granted. Deep down inside, it means something to me. And um, like I said, the flag is a representation of that feeling I have. So I wouldn't want to just let it go to waste. Well, it's certainly a tragedy that that family lost their home. But we're grateful for the brave men and women like Alan Scommer who put their lives on the line. 
each and every day for others. Well, we're going to leave it there for today. The Daily Signal podcast is broadcast from the Robert H. Bruce Radio Studio at the Heritage Foundation. You can find it on the Ricochet Audio Network along with our other podcasts. All of our shows can be found at dailysignal.com slash podcasts. You can also subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review or give us feedback. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Daily Signal and Facebook.com slash The Daily Signal News. The Daily Signal podcast will be back tomorrow with Kate and Daniel. Have a great week. You've been listening to The Daily Signal podcast, executive produced by Kate Trinko and Daniel Davis. Sound designed by Michael Gooden, Lauren Evans, and Thalia Rampersad. For more information, visit DailySignal.com. Americans have almost entirely forgotten their history. That's right, and if we want to keep our republic, this needs to change. I'm Jarrett Stepman. And I'm Fred Lucas. We host The Right Side of History, a podcast dedicated to restoring informed patriotism and busting the negative narratives about America's past. Hollywood, the media, and academia have failed a generation. We're here to set the record straight on the ideas and people who've made this country great. Subscribe to The Right Side of History on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Stitcher today.